The Bullet Club are the focal point of the main events for AEW Dynamite and NXT. We talk about that and review the shows next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, two title retentions, Kenny Omega and Finn Balor. But I think a lot of people are talking about this reunion to close out AEW Dynamite as uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson show up. They beat down John Moxley as well as other various baby faces. And the closing shot is the two sweet sign with all the members of the former Bullet Club members. What do you make of this? I thought both main events were pretty good. Your thoughts? Well, not only were both main events very good, both shows were very good to start everything off. So I, I thought both shows certainly delivered. I think that the end of uh, Dynamite was certainly newsworthy. I wouldn't say it was necessarily shocking because I think most fans who have been paying attention to this kind of felt like this was something that was going to happen. Right. The element of surprise that I think most people didn't necessarily predict was the fact that the Young Bucks were going to what seems to be uh, siding with Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Um, this continues to open the door for partnerships between, um, you know, other other promotions and AEW. And who knows where they go with this, but definitely a newsworthy happening that happened last night. Yeah, it really was. And I think obviously what what helps is the fact that we had two very good main events here. The fact that you have Kenny Omega retaining against Ray Phoenix, Finn Balor retaining against Kyle O'Reilly to talk about, you know, the Bullet Club moment at the end. I think I agree with you 100%. I think a lot of people were expecting the Good Brothers and Kenny as they've been already formulating this on Impact Wrestling. But now that the Young Bucks are part of it, that's certainly interesting. And where does it go? Because there was a little hint of why you guys here, but then they eventually join at the end. So perhaps they're not quite in all the way, but only time will tell. It's a great way to get these two promotions really going. And obviously... This, I think, will benefit both companies in the end. But let's talk about the matches themselves that closed out the show. Both, like I said, were very good. I think they were very good in their own ways. Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix, I thought, were great athletic performances where you got all these flips and dives and spots and Ray Phoenix doing a a flip into a a German suplex. That was great. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of good stuff. The reversal of the one-wing angel to a Herna Karana. Ray Phoenix definitely showed that if they give him a main event spot, he could deliver. Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly, I think, obviously, people were excited for this as they already had a great match at TakeOver 31. I think they re-delivered in this match. Would I say it's the same level as TakeOver 31? Personally, no, but I know some people are saying it was better. That's personal preference. But at the end of the day, which main event did you like better? Oh, man, this this is tough because, like you said, first of all, they're two very different matches. One was more notable for its acrobatics or just the uh, aerial stuff that went on in the match. The other one was just a really gritty, in-your-face, traditional kind of wrestling match. Usually, I prefer the grittier type of chain wrestling like you saw in NXT with Balor Mm -hmm. and O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like Omega and Phoenix had the better match. Not not by much, just because I felt like it had more of those oh shit moments without being overly choreographed. That was right. the one thing that I, I noticed a lot. And and the one thing that really stood out to me is Kenny Omega is certainly coming into his own. I think that a lot of people, including myself, were critical of him for his initial run in AEW and and maybe for some of those things that people said about him, rightfully so. 
he is really coming into his own with this 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 uh, cleaner 2.0, if you want to call it that. Right. Um, just even by the way, like simple things like the facials when he comes out, the sense of confidence that he has and, and him alongside Don Callis, it's really starting to work that on top of the fact that he is now starting to deliver those matches that a lot of people knew he was always capable of delivering. I think the hard thing for Kenny was when AW was formed, he was coming off the tail end of his career in New Japan Pro Wrestling, where it was no matter who he was with, Ibushi, um, Tanahashi, Okada, that was the expectation for every Kenny Omega match. Now, coming into AEW, where some guys certainly aren't at the level of some of those guys in New Japan, um, you can't deliver that every single night. But when you're in there with a guy like a Ray Phoenix, he can deliver. That match last night was very good. Maybe the best match in Dynamite history, some people are saying. Uh, probably the best match that I've seen out of Kenny Omega um, on Dynamite, his match with Laredo Kid was also very good. So those two would probably be the best since he's left New Japan, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the match last night was great. And I think that, to me, the Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix match was the match of the night for me. You really, So you think Kenny and Ray Phoenix was the match of the night? Because I thought there were some great wrestling matches last night. There was. There was. But I'm going to disagree with you on what I thought the match of the night was. Now, granted... If you thought it was Balor and O'Reilly, I could see your point. If you think it's Ray Phoenix and Kenny Omega, I also see your point. But I think the, the match that stole the night was Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez in their last woman standing match. That match was, you know, they beat the hell out of each other. They were creative in how they did their spots. Like, like you said, with Ray Phoenix and Kenny Omega, it wasn't super choreographed. They used Dakota oh, Kai in a way where it didn't really affect the finish, but Rhea Ripley was able to fight her off and throw her in a locker. And according to Twitter, she's still in that locker. hasn't been taken out yet. But, you know, I thought the match was very good, and it did the job. I think Rhea Ripley did a fantastic job if this ends up being her final match in NXT, elevating Raquel Gonzalez in a much-needed win. And Raquel Gonzalez, I don't know if anybody's talking about her yet, to like what status she is in the women's division, but she she is doing a fantastic job, and I think she has done great things in the ring the last few months. Yeah, I I agree. I I certainly was a fan of that match. That was another hard hitting match, especially considering, um, you know, I I think that the stereotypical, um, you know, divas that we 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 kind of were accustomed to growing up during the Attitude Era. That type of professional wrestling from women is long gone. Uh, I mean, exactly. right here, what you saw from these two, they, but first of all, both of the, uh, Rhea Ripley, great in the ring. She's proven it time and time again. Uh, Gonzalez, I mean, we still have to see a little bit from her. I think this match was a good way to showcase her dominance in, I guess, what you can almost call it a clean win because, like you said, Dakota Kai didn't really influence the outcome of it that much, but no. she still looked strong. And that was yes. probably one of the more important and impressive things. I think from here, Rhea Ripley's got to be going to the main roster because just they haven't been pushing her as strong. She really hasn't gotten her feet back underneath herself since that loss to Charlotte Flair. She's been kind of up and down, went training wins and losses to other people. Um, And I think now what they're doing is positioning Raquel Gonzalez to now be the new Rhea Ripley. They could always revisit this feud if uh, Gonzalez goes up to the main roster at some point. Exactly. Um, So you elevate one and you close the door on another. I think Rhea's got it. She's got it. She's got to be going up to the main roster. Her and I think Damian Priest has to be going up relatively soon, too. Well, that's the report. Now, I know PW Insider is reporting that Rhea Ripley is going to the main roster. That is her final match in NXT. 
There were reports He's last week from Fightful.com and also WrestleVotes saying that Damian Priest was actually supposed to debut on SmackDown last Friday to save Kevin Owens, and for some reason it got nixed. I'm seeing hmm. reports that it could have been Roman Reigns' influence or Kevin Owens saying that. There was no reason to incorporate him into the storyline. I don't know if that's true or not, but I also think Damian Priest is is leaving and uh, heading to the main roster, and I think he's done enough where I don't think he really could do much other than have an NXT championship run, but I, I think he has a very promising future, and Rhea Ripley, I think, definitely has a, a promising future. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do a storyline with Rhea where she either wins the Royal Rumble or becomes a big part of the Royal Rumble, then gets in the title picture with Charlotte Flair and Asuka because both Asuka and Rhea have WrestleMania losses to avenge. So you can end up being a triple threat match for the Royal Women's Championship at WrestleMania. So you mean to tell me Kevin Owens does have, supposedly, has one friend in the back there. So he's not a total that, geek, as some some insiders and some uh, journalists would insist. He's not a total geek. Well, that was the story that they were going to have, is Damian Priest was going to be his right. best friend. But then Kevin Owens himself, backstage, was like, it makes no sense because we have nothing in common. We've never interacted with each other. Why would he all of a sudden be my best friend? So, in kayfabe, it would have worked. In real life, mm. Kevin Owens is like, nope, not going to work, pal. And eventually wow. got to Roman, and Roman used his power. That's apparently the story. But yep. knows. Do, so you you think that both Damian and Rhea are on their way out? Rhea, I'm almost certain of. Damian, maybe another couple of ma- Maybe another match with Karrion Cross. I don't know. I think we're kind of going to move on to Karrion Cross and Finn Balor. That's where I think the direction they're going to have to go because Karrion Cross never lost the title. So, you know, that that's that's where I think they're heading with all of this. Yeah, I will say, though, if it is and if it ends up being Damian Priest's last match, I think it was a little underwhelming. You know, if I had to pick an underwhelming moment of the night, it was probably that. And that is just simply because you have uh, this big match, no commercial breaks. And honestly, I decided to watch Priest and Cross over the eight-man tag last night first because I was more excited for it. And while it was still a good match, it had a good story, I felt like it just didn't quite get to that, yes, I'm loving this match moment. Yeah, I I agree. I I didn't get the sense that I was watching anything. that I I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was good. But I certainly had higher expectations for that. But, you know, we've talked about this before. Sometimes when you get two big guys with similar styles, um doesn't make for a good matchup. But when you have guys opposing sizes, it maybe tells a little bit of a better story. Um, you know, Karrion Cross didn't have the best match with Keith Lee. This match wasn't the best. But, you know, I think that if him and Finn Balor have a match because of the size difference, because of the difference of approach in technical ability, I think mm-hmm. that would make for a really good match. Right. Now, on the other side, on AEW, we did have this similar match, Wardlow versus Jake Hager. And I got to admit, it was a surprise. I thought the match was very, very good. I mean, it wasn't exactly the match of the night because you had so many great matches, but on an average dynamite, it might have been a match of the night. Like, I was not expecting Hager and Wardlow to be like a great match. Mm-hmm. And there they come, and like such good chemistry between the two, and Wardlow really shined in the win himself. So that was a surprise to me. Great match. 
That was definitely a surprise. And I think it's definitely good to see that Wardlow is capable of delivering a match like that. I mean, we've seen Hager in the WWE in some high profile matches. He certainly had his, his high profile match against Moxley. Mm-hmm. Um, but he hasn't, he hasn't seen many pro wrestling matches since returning from WWE. So right. we want, at least now we can say that, okay, well, he's still got some gas left in the tank there. And I wouldn't expect anything different. I mean, he's a professional MMA fighter as well. So he keeps himself in shape, but you know, pro wrestling and psychology and storytelling, that's, that's not the easiest thing to go out there and do, you know, both Batista was very good in his, well, most people would say he was very good in his prime. Mm-hmm. He came back and he wrestled triple H. It was a, an okay match. So it's not easy to come back from that long, uh, having that much time off and, and ha- get the psychological part of it. Wardlow, at least we see that he's capable of delivering in the ring, which is good because he's young. He's one of the bigger guys. I think he's got a good look, and I think that he's got a bright future ahead of him, no matter where he goes. I agree. Now, I mentioned my underwhelming and surprising moments of the night. Do you have any underwhelming and surprising moments of the night? I can give you an underwhelming moment. So I'm, I'm afraid of this. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Now, it's, <laughs> people don't want to get upset, and people want to be pampered and not told I told you so. Now's the time to either mute or fast forward about five minutes because I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here. So Or comment because people are going to comment in the comment section. I'd rather have that than tell them to shut this, off. This is, the, this is the point where you start to tell me that I'm being negative again like you guys did about four weeks ago. Because four weeks ago, I pretty much told everybody this is what's going to happen with Sting. These were the facts four weeks ago. These are the facts today. The guy is 61, 62 years old. He's got a hurt neck. He's not going to wrestle every night. How are they going to keep Sting fresh? How are they going to make it where people want to tune in every single week to see Sting? Because we certainly saw that people tuned in for a couple of weeks to see him because the, you know, he, he came back, he made his big return. He was going to talk. Great. Since then, he has done the same exact thing every single week. And to make things worse, make matters worse, there's this. Everybody got in our case in our last video because we were told we were wrong about how we were saying that you know, WWE uses nostalgia different than AEW. That's what everybody was saying. Sting is there to elevate young talent. How is he elevating young talent when for three weeks now he has caused uh, Team Taz to cower to the back when he's a 61-year-old man with a baseball bat and there's guys like Will Hobbs, Taz, um, Brian Cage, Brian Cage, the whole group, six guys, four guys, five guys, however many it is. All of them retreating to the back three weeks in a row now from this one man with a baseball bat. Mind you, it's not even like a sneak attack. His music hits. There's freaking snow falling throughout the whole arena. So you know this guy is coming. And they're cowering away. Now, unless this is a giant swerve and Sting is somehow within Team Taz, I am sorry. It is time to do something different with Sting. Now, what that is, I don't know because I don't work for AEW and maybe they have something up their sleeve. So we'll see what they do with Sting next week. But I told you guys four weeks ago, this was going to happen. There's only so much you're going to be able to do with Sting. The nostalgia and the buzz and all of that, it's gone. It's worn off. It is time to do something different, to present something different so the fans can get invested in Sting. He has to do more than come out every single week and just point his baseball bat. I mean, is that really entertaining to people? Is that using uh, nostalgia correctly in comparison to what WWE does? I Maybe to some fans, not to me. I'm not interested right. in just coming out every week, pointing a baseball bat at six guys and watching them cower away. Um, you know, I go back to that word geeks, because that is one of the things that, um, you know, a popular journalist talks about when when talking about faces in WWE. The six guys in Team Taz, or however many guys it is, 
They look like geeks when they cower away from him every single week. If you know Sting's going to come out to save Darby Allen with a baseball bat, prepare for like, why are you guys not prepared for that? And it's, I don't, I don't know. That's my opinion on right. it. Underwhelming. It's time to move on past Sting doing nothing and pointing a baseball bat at people. Right. Well, I'll agree that they've been very repetitive with this Sting thing and Darby and, and Taz, Team Taz cowering away for the last four weeks. I know people are going to say there's this long story arc that oh, hasn't God. been told yet. And I just want the next chapter of that, that story to be told. Yes, it's a long story, but we're still on page one. When are we going to turn the page and see the next, the next sentence of this, this big story? You know, um, I think where it eventually is going to go is Darby's going to get fed up with Sting coming in for the save all the time. And Darby's like, dude, I don't need you. Like, don't come here. I appreciate the help, but I don't need you. At least that's where I think this is going. And I understand people are going to be like, well, Sting is 61. He can't take bumps. He's got the neck problem. He's not there to wrestle. I understand that. And that's probably why they're writing it the way they are, which is, which is fine. Hey. And it's safe. And that's why in WWE, those same spots happen where, you know, the, the legends look strong in the end because most of those guys are too old to take bumps. So they're not going to take these big bumps like WWE fans want them to. And I, and I don't want this to be like a AEW versus WWE comparison show because we just spent 20 minutes a couple nights ago doing that. I'm just talking about this story with Sting, Darby, and Team Taz. It's getting repetitive. I'd like to see more, and I'm starting to see people on social media say the same thing. So I hope we're not being on the, the minority of this. Like Some people in the comment section will actually say, Yes, I like Sting, but they need to do something different. And if you're but still I, if you're still defending it, if you're still defending it, I, I don't know. Like, what are we missing at this point? What is the but Ralph, but Michael, you don't get it moment? Like, what are we uh, missing? It, here's the thing. I mean, these these are the facts as we present them right now. Sting is 61 or 62, however old he is. He has a neck injury. He's not going to wrestle as far as we know. He may wrestle some more cinematic matches. He's limited in what they're going to be able to do with him. Right. I said that four weeks ago when everybody told me, oh, you're being negative. That's you're 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 looking at it wrong. You're wrong. It, OK, well, we're four weeks in and we haven't seen anything different from it. I don't know what to say. There's only so much they're going to be able to do with Sting. Now that the, the buzz has has died down, they're going to have to get creative. I said that they're going to have to be creative with him because, first of all, Sting has never been known for being a strong promo. He's good at it. He's not bad. He's not the worst. But when Sting drew the most, he literally just showed up, dropped from the rafters, and didn't say a damn word. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I don't know. There's only so much they're going to be able to do with Sting. Those are the facts. The guy's older. He's limited. So I, I don't think we're missing anything. That's the truth. Yeah. Well, who knows? But uh, what about surprises? Let's, let's bring it back on the positive side, Ralph. Was there something on either show you found that was a pleasant surprise? Well, the surprise, honestly, I, I did not expect Rhea Ripley to lose the way she did. I, and granted, I thought Dakota Kai getting involved, um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it was uh, done to influence the outcome. I, I was very surprised that Rhea Ripley lost. I thought that if she was going to go to the main roster, they'd want to give her some type of momentum um, just because she has been losing so much and not even, you know, losing the prominent 
people. Like it, it, Raquel Gonzalez is somebody who's on her way up. She's not somebody who's established. So if there's one thing that surprised me, it was the way Rhea Ripley lost, especially if she's going to be going up to the main roster. Yeah, I mean, it is a surprise, but at the end of the day, I've always been a proponent of if you're gonna if you're gonna go out, you go out with your shoulders on the mat. Yes, it was a last woman standing match, so I guess you have your shoulders to wherever you are not standing. So I'm not I'm not worried about her losing any momentum heading to the main roster. Those that know Rhea Ripley heading to the main roster know what she could do. And there's going to be support for her regardless. I know her since WrestleMania last year, she hasn't been the same, but maybe that's all storyline. And she's going to use that and the main roster to help uh, levitate her against a, a few back with Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania or even against Asuka. Who knows? But... Maybe, maybe they're trying to do the reverse effect here from what normally happens. Usually somebody does really well in NXT, and when they go to the main roster, they are misused terribly, and her, their career is essentially destroyed. Maybe they are booking her terribly deliberately, so that way when she goes <laughs> to the roster, somehow it will be like an inverse effect. I don't see any tinfoil on your head, but I, I feel like there's an invisible tinfoil hat in your on there for for that conspiracy theory but maybe i'm wrong maybe maybe if you're you, you want if you wanted a conspiracy theory i'd tell you if, if AEW wants to draw more viewers in they'd put sting and orange cassidy in the ring at the same time because <laughs> those are both the guys that are supposed to be their top draws that i've been wrong about forever yes yes i know but uh at the end of this all ralph what was the better show aew dynamite or nxt uh, again, very difficult. I thought they were both really good shows. I am going to lean towards Dynamite because I think the ending, I, I always try, I always say this, Dynamite always or typically will have that one big event or one big moment that keeps people talking. If it's not Sting during his debut, it's the Kenny Omega thing. I think Gallows and Anderson showing up last night was a really big moment for professional wrestling because I think mm -hmm. that's going to get a lot of buzz and a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. Kenny and Ray Phoenix was a very good match. Some of the other matches were very solid throughout. Um, some more storyline progression with, uh, you saw the storyline progression with MJF and Hager. So who knows what's going to happen with the inner circle. Uh, I think Dynamite overall had the better show. You know what? Both shows were very good and... Like I said, there were some really good surprises, some things that were underwhelming on both shows. I think uh, some of the surprises include on NXT, you have the Xia Lee re-debut that I think was was very well done, especially with this month of building and no one really knew what was going on. I think that was great execution. I think to to some extent, all the big matches delivered, disappointed that we didn't get the fight pit. On AEW Dynamite, you know, there was the big surprise that I don't think anybody's talking about, and that is the Young Bucks actually had a tag team match without Rick Knox as the referee, and I thought the tag match was actually good because they were enforcing tag team rules. Now, a little bit at the end got a little chaotic, but I thought the acclaimed and the hybrid two looked very, very good, and they set up good uh, hot tag segment, uh, segments there. Uh, like, like we talked about, Wardlow and Hager was very good. Underwhelming, I think, unfortunately, was the abaddon Hikarushita Women's Championship match. Snoop Dogg with his frog splash, if you want to call it that. Oh, God. Not exactly the same as her cousin Sasha Banks' uh, frog splash, but still, it was fun. It was fun for what it did. And you are going to say something, Ralph? I was going to ask you, what do you make of the acclaimed name-dropping John Cena like that? I didn't mind it. 
I didn't mind. No, I didn't. I didn't mind it at all. I, I just thought I even uh, Jericho pointed out in commentary. He paused for a moment. and He was like, I don't know if they can use any of those names, but well, he I, did. And I don't I didn't have a problem with it. Does WWE have the trademark Janetti? <laughs> do, do they even want it at this point? Like, I don't know. Come on, man. You grew up on the Rockers. Isn't that your favorite tag team of all time? No, I don't know. I, don't, I honestly never really had a favorite tag team. They're Shawn one Michaels the... is your favorite wrestler. He is. He? he is my favorite wrestler. But... No... You can't have a Shawn Michaels without Janetti uh, getting thrown through the glass of the, the barbershop. So we're actually approaching the anniversary of that, believe it or not. I think one next... of the best heel turns of all time. It is. I knew he was going to do that. <laughs> I just knew he was going to do that. <laughs> it was a great moment in wrestling history. But yeah, I, I thought that was very good. And I love the shirts where they were saying your rap, your rap is crap. I don't know if you caught on to that. Did not. Did not. Well, watch it again. You'll see it. It's on like a, a vinyl record. It says your rap is crap. All four guys, SCU and Young Bucks, were wa- uh, wearing it. But uh, I thought the side, like all the matches were good last night. Uh, even even uh, Santos Escobar and Grand Metalik was still a decent match. Matt Seidel and Cody Rhodes was still a good match. But if I had to pick which show was better, if I had, if, if NXT only had, Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea and Finn and O'Reilly, I think NXT wins. But for mm. the overall two hours, I go with AEW Dynamite as well. They just had a better overall two hours, I think. The lasting impression definitely is more noteworthy. But at the end of the day, Wednesday nights seems to be the night for professional wrestling, and they're off to a great start here in 2021, in my opinion. I, I agree 100%. Yeah. 100%. Obviously. So, all right. So, as Ralph mentioned, we talked about Goldberg, Sting. Are they the same thing? We did have a discussion on that. We also had a discussion on why the audience is not growing in professional wrestling today. We have thumbnails for each of those on the screen right now. You can click on those. Don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPB Podcast. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Cycle Babble.